Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to Kai Talks, the podcast. Last Thursday, I had the privilege of doing an Instagram live interview with today's guest. Hailing from the beautiful Twin Island Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, he is the 2016 North American Powerlifting Champion, the 2017 Pan American Powerlifting Champion, and the 2018 International Powerlifting Federation's Junior World Champion and World Record Holder. As he shared with me his transformation from being the overweight teenager to becoming one of the strongest men in the world, enduring back injuries and persevering through several setbacks, one thing became clear. His strength goes way beyond the physical. There's much that we can learn from his journey. So listen up as we get to know Rondell Hunt. Welcome to those of you who are here. Um, For those of you who are coming over from Rondell's page who may not be familiar with me, my name is Kyla Richards and I have a podcast which is called Kai Talks the Podcast and during this whole quarantine period I decided to do a series of live interviews where I feature people who are inspirational, who are doing great things, who are doing novel ventures, and we're seeking to go on a journey with them to find out what got them to the stage that they're presently at and see what lessons we can learn and what inspiration and motivation we can find through their stories. So today we have with us Rondell Hunt, who is from Trinidad and Tobago, and he's a national powerlifter. Um, so we're just here to get to know Rondell a bit better this evening and to learn how he became one of the strongest men in the world, yeah? Um, what we could learn from that in our journeys in life. So Rondell, welcome to Kai Talks, the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really, really happy we're finally doing this. We've been talking about it for a while and it has forced us to get creative again. Yeah, so, for sure. Who is Rondell? Um, if I was to answer that question in, I guess, the corny third-person way, I would say that Rondell Hunt is a powerlifter, a coach, and an entrepreneur, and just somebody who strives for success and strives to be the best in every area of his life. That's who Rondell is. Okay, cool. And something of you may not know Rondell is actually my cousin my first cousin and he's not kidding about that striving to be the best thing I mean even at Uno <laughs> <laughs> you do not be at a games night where he's not on your team okay <laughs> that's the way it's messed up so yeah he's very very honest about wanting to be the best at everything that he does um I know one of the things that, especially those coming over from your page, would really be following you for is your power lifting, right? Um, you said you're also a coach and you're an entrepreneur. But how did you get to this place of um, even discovering that you are interested in powerlifting? Because in Trinidad and Tobago, I don't think powerlifting is um, that popular sport. So it's really um, kind of intriguing as to how one would even discover that you're even interested in that sport. So could you share with us that journey? So, so how did you even realize that you were interested in powerlifting, that it's something you can do? Yeah, um, so 
there's a story I told a couple of times in a few interviews. Um, I actually didn't get like directly into powerlifting from nothing, from scratch. Um, when I was about 14 years old, when I just started to, I guess, figure out that I liked girls, <laughs> um, <laughs> I saw that I was overweight now. So at that point in time, at 14 years old and being like maybe five foot six or something like that, I was 260-ish pounds, right? A lot of people don't know that I was that much overweight, right? And then um, during that time, you know, I couldn't get any girls or anything like that. I wasn't really popular with the girls. So I decided to start to run on my street, which, you know, that's something that I did for maybe about a year and a half consistently just running up and down the street trying to lose weight. So that's sort of what got me into fitness to begin with, like just just that, right? And then from there, um, going on to ages 15, 16 or so, um, being in secondary school, and I went to a male secondary school, which was Hillview. Um, obviously, you know, guys, everybody just want to be the strongest person. And I was always naturally strong. So I ended up going to the gym with those guys. And because I was already sort of into fitness and running and stuff, I sort of fell in love with the gym straight off the bat. It's just something that I really like to do. So that's how, I guess, you know, I fell in love with fitness. And then getting into powerlifting after going to the gym for a while and seeing how strong I was just, you know, without even doing any sort of direct strength training. Um, My coach... My current coach, who at that point in time, he was just a few years ahead of me in school. Yeah, he went to Hillview as well. And um, when I met with him after um, we left school, he he was just like, he was already into powerlifting and he said, hey, you're you're super strong, You you could be one of the best in this thing. I, I could just see it from your talent. And he was like, you had to do it. You have to do it. And there was, a, there was a national championship coming up about three months away at that point. And I was like, all right, let's see what we could do. You know? I remember that period of life. You were, you're right. You were always kind of, I'm saying kind of, but you were overweight. Like you were chubby. Yeah. yeah. And we always remember you, a chubby little cousin. And then just like that, you <laughs> lean out and buff out. I was like, okay. And I guess us not really knowing that you were jogging every day, it was, you know, that typical thing that we say, oh, you just lost your baby fat. He's maturing. He's growing out of that phase. So there was almost an assumption that the weight kind of just was falling off of you as part of um, puberty or maturing, that kind of thing. But I didn't know that you were actually working that hard and that consistently at it. I do remember, though, that there were some times I used to come to our gym yeah, with your, one of your yeah. friends from too. Yeah, with both of them. Like, that's when I started getting into gym. I came to your gym first. So uh, every day after school, instead of dropping out to go home, I used to drop out to go to the gym. And we spent like an hour and a half working out. Right, right. Okay, that's nice. And so when, when he saw you and he told you, all right, he's into powerlifting, he sees your potential, he knows that you are capable of being one of the best. At that point, were you really exposed to powerlifting? Is it something that you followed? Like, say, you know, you would pay attention to the competitions, follow it on the internet, that kind of thing? Yeah, so I guess probably the 
average people who watch the list right now who have maybe come from your following who don't know about Paul Lifton, mm-hmm. that was the exact same way I was. So all I was already into the gym, I don't even know what Paul Lifton is. I just want, I was just wanted to be strong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when he told you about the competition, did you really take him seriously? <laughs> um, so, as you said, as we said at the start, I'm so competitive that it doesn't even matter what I am doing or what I am about to do. I just feel like, you know what, I could win and I just want to compete. So, like, it don't, it don't even matter if it's, uh, if it's Monopoly, it don't matter if it's a video game, it don't matter if it's, you know, a sport. I just want to compete. So, when it is, you know, I was going to the gym consistently for so long and I felt as if, um, you know, I was super strong to hear that there might be guys in Trinidad and Tobago who might be stronger than me. I was like, nah, you know? So <laughs> I, just, I just had to compete. I had to compete. And this was at what age? That was at 19. Yeah, 19. Okay. So by this time, you were well into fitness for a couple of years. You were confident in your ability and you figured you wanted a new challenge. So when presented with this opportunity, you thought you'd jump at it. Yeah, so I was I was I was um versed with like general fitness, so like running and just bodybuilding type stuff that the average person would do when they go to the gym. But right. not in terms of powerlifting and going above and beyond, you know? Okay. And you know, one of the things that I observed as someone close in your life was that there was this shift in your um, confidence in your self-esteem, where you carried yourself, there was a marked difference. Would you say that that transition from being the fat kid to being the buff guy <laughs> um, had any meaningful impact on how you felt about yourself? And what advice was struggling with um, body and self-image through that experience? Yeah. Um, so, so what I want to say is two things. One is that when I did lose the bunch of weight, it, it did help in that, you know, I felt better, I felt more um, confident, you know, I could take off my shirt and not worry and different things like this. And so I didn't necessarily feel as bad. But then at the same time, mm-hmm. what what I thought it would bring initially, mm-hmm. it didn't end up turning out to be that. So, you know, you would think that, okay, I don't... Um, you know, maybe I'm not good with the ladies because um, I, I, I'm, I'm the fat kid. Or, you know, maybe other guys have more success because of this. Or maybe I'm lacking self-confidence because I'm overweight. And mm-hmm. yes, it did help when I did lose the weight. But really and truly, um, being confident in your own skin and feeling good about yourself and being able to, you know, stand up in front of a bunch of people and do things is more so mental and is more so just a product of you accepting yourself and being confident in yourself than it is to do with how you look, you know? So, right. yeah. Right, so you're saying that apart from the changes, the transition and the boost in your confidence really came from some internal work. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, nice. And... So now we're at the point that you're 19, you're way more fit, you're way more confident. 
um, you've done that work physically and emotionally, and you're faced with the opportunity to participate in a national challenge, right? What was the nature of it? Was it a powerlifting competition or just a strength competition? Yeah, so that first competition, I was 19, that was in 2015, and um, that was the Trinidad and Tobago National Powerlifting Championships. So because powerlifting is such a small sport, you can go straight from not competing to the national championships quick okay. for your first competition. So that's okay. what I was. It was it was a strictly powerlifting competition. Mm -hmm. And tell us what that involves. Okay, when you say powerlifting, um, what are we doing at this competition? Are we squatting? Are we like what are the the different categories so we can understand clearly for those of us who are laymen when it comes to the world of powerlifting? What what were you actually doing in terms of competing? Yeah, so in terms of competing in a powerlifting competition, you have three movements, which are the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. For each movement, you get three. What is What's that? One you... Right, so everybody knows what a squat is. Bench press, yeah. not Okay, so the squat, you put the barbell on your back, and right. you stoop down, and you basically get up. Right. Um, the bench press, you lay on your back, and you sort of bring the weight to your chest, and then you press it back up. And right. deadlift, the weight is on the floor, and you simply pick it up in, you know, in the simplest way I can explain that. Right. Um, yeah, and you get three attempts at each of them. Each attempt um, is supp supposed to go heavier and heavier. Once it is, obviously, you don't, like, fail a lift. And they take your best of each lift. So, for example, let's say your best um, deadlift was your second deadlift. They would take right. that add it to your best bench press and your best squat. And okay. um, that would be your total. And based on your total, that's how you win your weight class. Ah, okay, okay. And so what happened at the end of that competition, your very first competition at 19 years old? Yeah, so that, the, that competition is really what sort of solidified my love for powerlifting and made me realize that you know, wow, this is something I really want to do, something I want to pursue. So I trained for it for, I think it was two months, two and a half months or so. Mm -hmm. And um, I won best um, overall junior. I won my weight class in the juniors. I came second in my weight class in the open division. And um, it was really, really good because I was competing against this guy called Yavniel Yatali. Um, and he is a really, really strong guy who's also in my weight class. He still competes, um, now. And it sort of came down to the last deadlift, man. Because yeah. obviously, as you go along, you can sort of add up the numbers and you would know who is looking to place where, right? And then to come down to the last deadlift and know that, hey, you know, I essentially have to pull this or else I lose. And then, you know, just the, 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 the shouting and the screaming of everybody in the crowd when, when you sort of pull it off the ground. And it, it's just, it was just crazy, you know? And um, <laughs> I just sort of fell in love with Paul Lifton after that. And it was just really, really good. Okay, nice. So you came first in your weight class and second in the overall open category, right? I came first in my weight class and second in my weight class in the open division. Okay. Yeah. Alright. So then, after that point, what was your like 
thinking, okay, what's the next step here? I discovered that I have this ability. After only training for two and a half months, I was able to come here to perform well. Um, so what was the transition like? And at what point you decided, okay, I'm going to take this way more seriously. I want to take this to an international level. I mean, what, what happened next? Yeah. Well, straight off the bat, right after that competition, because it was so close between me and the other guy that I mentioned, um, I never really thought, you know, I'm going to take this to the World Championships or whatnot. I just thought I need to train as hard as possible to stay ahead of this guy. You know what I mean? Because obviously we would face off again the next year or the next local competition. So I... You know, a week after that competition, I started back training as hard as if I never even, um, you know, lifted in the first place, you know, as right. if I was starting from scratch. So I just started training hard. And then that sort of led to six months later, I qualified for the um, North American Powerlifting Championships, which was in St. Croix in 2016. And um, I went to that competition. So when you qualified American um, championships. Give me a sense of like how many nations would have been competing. Was it that you were representing Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah, so I was representing Trinidad and Tobago. And um, outside of that, it would be like Canada, um, Puerto Rico, North America, South American countries, um, a few Caribbean countries that do compete in powerlifting. Just basically all of North America and the Caribbean. All of yeah, American Caribbean. Okay. And, and that was how long after? You said six months after the first competition you did here in Trinidad. Yeah, that was six months after, yeah. Okay, so how did that go? This by now, we're like 2016? Yeah, that's 2016. I was 20 years old at this point. Yeah. Um, that competition was great. Um, so because I was so um, young at that point and I only just started training, my progress was so rapid you know it was so quick so i went from a 600 pound deadlift at that time which was maybe about 100 pounds below the world record um all the way up to almost pulling the world record at that competition right yeah in six months which was you know i didn't really expect it but it was you know yeah so that competition was good i won best overall junior and i won my weight class as well. Okay, so you came first in two categories. Yeah. And I think at that point, that's when you started getting a little media buzz locally, right? I think that's when you were like on the news and stuff like that. Yeah, so that was the first time that I was ever on the news, first time I was ever interviewed. Because to me, when I went away, I thought Paulston was such like a small niche spot. I didn't think anything would come of it. But when I did come back, I started getting contacted by, you know, like CNC3 and Newsday and stuff like that. And they wanted to do stories. So that was, I guess, you know, fun. And what was that? What was that like? Because the Rundle, I know, was always very reserved. Um, yes, you're free-spirited with your friends and family and so on. But you're always one who would shy away from that kind of limelight. So to go from being this quiet, overweight person to being somewhat of a local celeb, so to speak, in like what a space of a year, two years. 
how did you manage with all the sudden attention? And I noticed that your social media following kind of shut up once you started um, participating internationally. Yeah. <clears throat> um. I mean, as I, I feel like I'm still basically the same person. I am still a very reserved person, but I do pride myself on having the ability to be able to sort of switch um, modes. So, you know, when it is, I do have to talk to people or um, give an interview or anything like that. I am able to, you know, do, do so without, I guess, freezing up or doing the typical shy yeah. person thing. Although I would classify yeah. myself as the typical shy person, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't too much stress, I guess. Okay. So we see you on the powerlifting front, but, you know, life is very layered. So behind powerlifting, what was happening in your life? Academically, um, career-wise, that kind of thing. What else was there and how did you manage to kind of balance all of that and how did you feel about your achievements did, did it like um cause you to realize that okay maybe you actually have a gift because it seems so effortless you know the way in which you would have been improving so rapidly in the sport yeah so at that time i just came out of secondary school and i just started utt and I just started pursuing computer engineering. And, um, you know, I always had to take the third semester off when you didn't have a third semester because that is sort of when powerlifting competitions internationally would happen. And I would have to take the time to, um, you know, like train and, and stuff like that and also go away to compete, right? Um, so I did sort of realize I did have a gift because, you know, the... The, the progress that I was making as compared to the progress that other guys, you know, in my same weight class, my same age, uh, locally here in Trinidad, um, you know, nobody was sort of doing that now. So I did sort of realize I had a gift and that was the reason why I would, you know, make the sacrifice of an entire semester of school <laughs> in order to double long on training because I felt as if it was something that if I did put my all into it, I would see rewards. So, right. um, yeah, I did, I did realize I had a gift, yeah. And I, I saw recently on social media, um, I think it was Janae Hero, yes it was, she did an interview um, and the person she interviewed, if, it comes, if his name comes to mind, I would say it before the end of the interview. Okay, but um, he said that whenever you see people having a public um, victory, for every public victory, there's this private cross that the person has to bear. Um, so when, when we see you winning these competitions, what do you think it was like, if you're willing to share, it was like a private cross that you had to bear in order, in order to get to this place in powerlifting? Um, I think two things. Just sacrifice because I did sacrifice a lot with regards to school. So I did um think you your camera flip. I realize. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I did um sacrifice a lot with regards to school. So um I still haven't finished school yet. And you know, the degree that I do, was doing was four years and this is my fifth year. So obviously I would have finished already if it weren't for 
the time that I took off and the sacrifice that I made with regards to that. Mm-hmm. And also, just, is, is that the person, Luke um, Komena? Ah, thank you. Yes, he was the person who was interviewed by Janet here, and that's what he said, yes. Thank you. Okay. okay. Yeah, so, and also, just socially as well. So, a lot of times, um, I would have to train on a Saturday night, or I would have to go to bed early so I could train the next day and have a good session. And um, that was just not something, not sacrifices that people my age were making at that point, you know, because I was 20 years old, 21, 22, 23. And at that point, you know, you want to hang out, you want to have fun, you want to do whatever. And I just wasn't doing that. So I guess those were the two big crosses that I bear, which is, you know, the sacrifice with school and socially as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting, because I think... The knowledge that you had a gift and because you had a gift, it almost seemed like it was this effortless, smooth journey. Like, you know, yeah, he could just naturally lift heavy things. Yes, he works out. But thinking about, okay, this will have an impact on your social life because when other people are going to Lyme, you sleep in early because you have to wake up to lift. I know you were like so strict that if we go out to like get food, you're only eating certain things. You can't eat certain things on certain days because to keep your weight within a certain category is a lot. So yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. And I think that's really instructive for those of us who think that we can easily achieve greatness in any area. That's that's a dream. <laughs> it's yeah. not reality. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one thing I want to mention though, um, I see my friend Jagalal here. His name is the Lord's Navarro. He said your social life was the gym and the persons around me in the gym. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and having those guys in the gym was a, a really big help. But um, one thing I want to mention is that from the time I started powerlifting, um, mm-hmm. I always heard and I did also find out that there was no real money in powerlifting. You know, nobody ever made money from powerlifting. So although I won national championships, I didn't get paid for that. Although I almost set a world record in um, the North American championships, and I won both the divisions I competed in, I didn't get paid for that. So, you know, although you know that you have a gift or whatnot, it's sort of like, at some point, you would wonder why are you making these sacrifices if there is no um, return, particularly monetarily. You know? So, right. so that's that's one thing that I wanted to mention with that. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said that because somebody just asked, "Was the sacrifice worth it?" So we'll get to that. I, that's something I wanted to answer later on. Was the sacrifice worth it? Um, so after that, North American Games. What was the next step? Like, what happened after that? So you're doing school. You're kind of putting school on hold sometimes in order to progress. Um, you went at this level. As you said, you didn't get any money. Um, so what did you do next? And what, what made you decide to keep going? Yeah. So not only <laughs> did I not win any money, I spent money. Because at that point in time, the Federation did not have money for, to send away athletes and stuff like that. So they only covered um, things partially. So, for example, they only covered the accommodation when we went to the North American Championships. And um, 
because of that, I had to pay for my airfare, I had to pay for food and transport, everything like that. So, um, I spent money. I didn't, I didn't only not make money, I spent money, right? Um, now, after the North American Championships, the next step was just, again, to get stronger. Like, with powerlifting, there's, because, like, numbers are infinite, you you can always get better, you know? And the battle is not necessarily between you and um, whoever else you are competing against, but it's between you and the weights, or some people might say it's between you and yourself, right? Um, so I guess because I was more so in love with not necessarily just being the best, and just, you know, calling it quits when I feel like I am the best, and I was in love with just simply getting better and the sport itself. Mm-hmm. The the, the, the the solution to me or the next step to me after that was simple, which was get stronger, you know? Right. So, so the next uh, competition? Yeah. So the next two competitions after that were in 2017, which was the um, National Championships 2017, which was in January, and then the Pan American Championships um, 2017, which was, I think, later in August or something. Okay. And at this point, I think in one of those, if I remember correctly, was when you were um, you were the best in the world at something. Tell me what it was exactly. Yeah. So um, in the so I said in 2016, I almost broke the junior deadlift record, right? Um, I didn't. I failed the lift at that point. But at the national championships, I actually came back and I got the lift. Right. Um, but because it was a local competition, it was unofficial, so obviously it won't be recognized as a world record. Um, then after that, I took to the um, Pan American Championships, where my goal was to set the world record officially. Right. And um, what happened is that the world record was, I believe, 720 pounds or something around there. And um, a guy before I could compete, he raised the record to 777 pounds. So that was up by about 40 pounds or so. Um, So obviously, I had to step up my game and sort of like, you know, do better. And um, at that competition, I won best overall um, male, period. I won best overall junior. I won my weight class in the junior division. I won my weight class in the open division. Um, I think Trinidad won best overall junior team or something like that. And um, I was also the number one ranked lifter in my weight class period for 2017. So okay. that was probably my best <laughs> competition ever. Yeah. yeah. That was the time when we met you in the airport with like five, six no, that, that was the That was the year after that, after the World Championships. Uh, so what happened the year after? Because you see, in my mind, I just remember there were like these series, there was a series of competitions, one after the other. In my mind, that's how it felt. And then there was this period where it was just like everything just stopped. So help me understand what happened after that competition. This was 2017, right? Yeah. So 2017 is where I won all that stuff. Oh, I also set two world records first the deadlift and the, um, the overall total, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah. So you forget. Um, so, 
a year after that in 2018 i qualified and competed at the world championships for the first time the world championships was in um canada yeah was in calgary in canada and um i competed in the junior division of my weight class so mm-hmm. at the world championships you could only pick one so i could compete in the junior and open like i did in competitions before so i only competed in the junior division and i won the junior division as well as i had the highest squat bench deadlift and uh, total and um i set the bench press world record and the total world record in my weight class so that's okay. when you all met in the airport after that right now i remember after all of this in my it's like okay what what could you possibly do next you know this was like a world competition and mm-hmm. then i think the people were approaching you for endorsements and so on and then seemingly shortly after that um you had some kind of a back injury or something like that. Right. Yeah, so at that point I was riding a very big high because you know as you could see the the trajectory of things up until that point was simply just like up um I didn't have any crazy obstacles to overcome and thing it was just you know smooth sailing. Um and then later that year as i was training just doing something reg- uh, a regular workout i got a very bad back injury and um it was it was it was it was very bad like i was out for maybe 2 to 3 months 2 <clears throat> to 3 months coming on to the end of um 2018 mm-hmm. and that prevented you from competing at some competition during that period right um no it didn't no is is very bad and it's not something that can be healed with therapy 
it can only be healed with um surgery okay and i just i just caught my own facial expression when you were saying that it was as if i was feeling the pain <laughs> i was actually mm-hmm. feeling the pain. like what so what what is your ability to train post that diagnosis yeah so um when I, I went to maybe about five or six different physiotherapists who were recommended by other powerlifters and stuff and I showed them the x-ray and the MRI that I did and stuff and they all said the exact same thing which was the best thing to do is for me to stop lifting weights period and um I didn't do that <laughs> I obviously I still lift weights I still you know try to get stronger try to be better and um you know it flares up here and there in terms of i get some pain here and there sometimes i might have to stop workouts um you know it, it sometimes it puts me out for a few months the friends that is but i don't it's not something that is going to stop me personally mm-hmm. although you know i should stop <laughs> i am not going to stop because you know i just No. Well, I think that's our conversation. Um, we might have to have off air, like cousin to cousin. But okay, I'll your choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so coming out of that, have you competed since? Um. Yeah. So I have competed since. Now I know we were going to talk about, you know, what's going on with the federation and stuff like that, <clears throat> and why. <laughs> Yeah, why well, I haven't been able to compete internationally but right. I have competed since that. So as you um would have known we were talking before um last year 2019 around mid last year you know my training was going good and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then these pondylosis flared up again and right. it was really bad to the point that it put me out for about three months or so. Um right. as I was just about <clears throat> to get back into the gym i think i trained for one week i started getting a really bad stomach pain and um it was terrible to the point where i went to mongtop and then i found out that i had appendicitis my appendix was swollen right yeah. um because i waited so long to go antibiotics yeah. couldn't help and um i had to get surgery done and um obviously that type of surgery is where they slice open your abdominal wall and you know your abdominal wall is basically a a a main part of your core that you use in every single thing that you do right which is why people with hernias can't lift anything because it's your abdominal wall right um so i got that surgery done it was successful thank god and um no complications anything like that but what they did say is that i, I think i got the surgery done February i think i got it done in september mm-hmm. yeah i got it done in september and they said after go back to the hospital in march of this year i got it done last year september i go to go back to the hospital in march of this year yeah. and that i couldn't lift until then not that i i can move around i could do things but i shouldn't go to the gym until then i shouldn't lift anything period until then right um 
But you didn't yeah. do that. You didn't oh, do no, that. Oh, no, definitely not, definitely not. Posted on Instagram going to some competition. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? So tell me, all right, you did that surgery in September, told that, all right, on top of the back issue that you had, you just had surgery for appendicitis. So now your body is like, you have problems with your back, your, your abdominal wall, you know, you were just sliced open. And so you're physically weak, you're advised to just rest, but you kept going. What kept you going? And did that work out in your best interest? Tell us. All right, so because I was out with my back injury, I didn't train for about three months. And then with the appendectomy that I got, obviously I couldn't train. But I had a competition coming up in five weeks that I was looking forward to do. Um, so after the surgery, five weeks post-surgery, um, <laughs> I decided that I would go ahead and compete. Um coming off a back injury, coming off the appendectomy, and also, you know, coming from one month earlier, basically not even being able to sit up out of bed without assistance from my mom or my sister or anything like that, I decided to compete. Um, and it, it went well. <laughs> I, I didn't die. I didn't have any complications with the area that was cut on my stomach. And I also won my, I won my weight class and I won my weight class in the open division. So I didn't listen. <laughs> There's this thing that, I, that Brendan Bouchard always says, and he says that um, people who achieve greatness there's always this passion that they have that almost seems like borderline obsession. Yet it seems like a common um, denominator among successful people that when they are in love with what they're doing, it's almost as if they have this kind of deadly laser focus that nothing can get in between. Um, so I guess that's just the case here. You really found a passion for this thing and you were determined to be consistent even amidst the obstacles, which is why you continue to be one of the best at what you do. Now, I know that despite, or, or even in addition to, I should say, the injuries and the surgery and so on, there were other factors which were prohibiting you from being able to compete among the world's best. The politics within the um, local federation, I know that's not something that you want to really delve too deep into but um particularly because it is currently before the courts but if you could just give us a kind of summary of what that experience has been like and um where are you now where things are now where that is concerned yeah so the last international competition that i did was the world championships in 2018 and um since that myself all other Trinidadian um, powerlifting athletes have been unable to compete internationally because there's, I guess, infighting within the um, the administration of the federation. So, to put it in simple terms, the old executive committee and the new executive committee both believe that they are the executive committee 
And because of that, um, I guess the international body doesn't know who to recognize. And they decide not to accept nominations from either body until it's resolved. And it matters before the court right now. Um, and even that is put at pause right now because of the whole coronavirus situation. And that is not necessarily um, counted as a, a pressing matter. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, so that happened in 2018. All throughout after I competed in 2018, that was a problem. All throughout 2019, no one competed internationally. And now even going into 2020, no one is still able to compete internationally obviously including me as well and things like this are just such a shame because imagine you have local athletes who are preparing for competition they're working hard putting in months of sacrifice from you know sacrificing social life academic life um and just really giving their best to be able to represent their country internationally and to have um local in fighting among members of a committee, some of whom who may not actually be directly affected because they themselves may not be eligible to represent the country. Um, that's just unfortunate. I'm really hoping that the um, Powerlifting Federation could get it together so that you and many others like you can go out there on the world stage and really use your gifts and your potential to make Trinidad and Tobago proud. So all the best where that is concerned. I really hope that um, the conference very swiftly that you know this is behind you all you could just go forward and be great now the beautiful thing about this story is that even amidst all of the obstacles you were able to make something um special or to to create an opportunity for yourself because many times people think you have to wait on opportunity not knowing that Opportunities are, opportunities are there if you just reach out and you grab at it. And so you were able to form your own business coming out of this experience. So can you share a little bit about that for us? What is the name of your business, the nature of it, and how this entire journey led you into that? Yeah, so um, last year, I guess at the start of last year, my coach, Sanjeev Tiluxing and I, we started Strength Studio TT. Um, so... Yeah, Strength Studio TT, SSTT for short, right? Um, so, people could see, they could find you, they could, you know. Yeah, I could do that. Thanks for teaching me that. Nice. Yeah, so Strength Studio TT, right? Um, it was also at Strength Studio TT. Now, what Strength Studio TT essentially is, is uh, mostly online, but also in-person um, coaching business. So it is comprised of myself, um, Sanjeev, Sayana, and Varun. And we do everything from powerlifting coaching to nutrition coaching to uh, regular fitness training, weight loss, all these different things. And we have online and in-person options available for everything. Um, yeah. And I think that's just so beautiful because so many of us, um, although I think millennials are really um, changing that, we think about everything so very traditionally and we don't see how many opportunities are around us if we're willing to be creative. 
So here you were as a powerlifter. You weren't actually making money from powerlifting. You experienced different injuries, um, health issues. You experienced the, the politics of the local federation being a hindrance to you performing internationally. And still, you took that lem those lemons and you made lemonade and were able to um, build a lucrative business. And even now in this quarantine period, and I think that is what's even more... Um, remarkable about it is that the nature of your business since you were training people online anyway that even in this period of covid and quarantine and people worrying about employment and here you are with a, with a business that's already functioning online and so you're able to sustain that so round of applause to you and i'm Thank hoping you. our listeners would kind of stop and take stock of what are some of the gifts and abilities that i have that i'm sitting on that i'm thinking okay, where am I going to get with this gift? For example, I am really one of the persons who I always see people doing these sip and paints and I always think it's so creative because people would often say, oh, what are you going to do if you're an artist? You know, art can't make money. And to me, sip and paint is a classic example of somebody utilizing a skill that they have in order to create an experience that would be valuable to people seeking a novel experience. You know, it's something new, different to do, something you can do with a group of friends, family, create memories. And I would like to see more innovation like that. I would like to see more people taking their gifts and abilities and finding ways to package a way that can be profitable, not only to them, but also bring value. Yeah. So kudos to you. And at this yeah, stage, in, I want to I want to bring up that question that was asked by one of our viewers: Was it all worth it? Yes, definitely. Um, so I I was gonna answer this earlier, but you said that we wanted to do um answer it later, um because I guess with to do with the, the chronological order of the story, right? Um, <laughs> now when I just started powerlifting, as I told you. I heard and also experienced that there is no money in powerlifting, right? So, okay. you know, my um, parents had to help me pay to go away and represent the country and different things like this. And at, at that time, I never had the thought process of, you know, eventually I would make money off of this or eventually I would see some return on it. I never had the thought process of that. I was just simply doing what, brought me joy and I was simply trying to become the best I could be in what I do you know and I, I was simply just putting in the work without any thought of you know what was the end goal of this you know and you know that, that that might sound extremely naive because you know in life you know it's always good to be calculated and do things that you can see our future in but at that time I was just I was just going to the gym and, and you know working out with with, with my yeah. friends from the gym you know and um, in the end, it did turn out to be very worth it, you know. Um, if I had never put in that work, I would have never gotten the recognition that I did to the point that I'm sponsored by a company such as NP, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I say it sometimes when I said it at the press conference, the first time that um, we did the announcement that I was sponsored, but to, to me, like, NP is such a large company, such like a long-standard company that yeah. I would have never e even fathomed 
that I could have a, a partnership between me and them, you know? Like, that's right. something that I never even think would have been possible. So, um, that is, I guess, one thing that made it worth it, as well as the 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 business that we were able to create, you know? Because right. I was, because I um, decided to put out the time, energy, effort, and also money, and invest that into going away and competing, and, you know, sort of making a name for myself in the Paul of scene. I was able to start a business um, whereby guys come to me for my, you know, expertise in powerlifting. And, um, you know, so long term, it was very worth it. But in the moment, there were a lot of times when I thought, why am I doing this? But, yeah, it was. And, and also going out of competition, um, got your name and your face out there and helped you to build a following, which was... The platform for you to build a brand and a business also so i think yeah. in respect yeah it really it really was worth it so what advice would you give to someone who they don't even know what they like i mean you you're passionate about powerlifting and you feel that you know you're, you're still kind of discovering your purpose and we, we've had those conversations you're still kind of discovering your purpose but you feel like following your passion is leading you in the right direction there are some people who are saying, look, I don't even know what I like. I don't even know what I'm passionate about. Far more to follow passion, to find purpose. What advice do you have for those kinds of people as we wrap up? Yeah, so I watched a video on YouTube maybe last year or something like that, and I forgot exactly who said it, but what the person said is that you want to do and pursue what gives you energy. Ah. Now, that's to say, in life, uh, particularly in this quarantine period, the easy thing to do is to simply, you know, watch Netflix, eat food, eat snacks, whatever, and just, you know, chill out, relax, enjoy your time, and do whatever you, you want, right? Which now, is so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is fine, but... In life, you, you stumble across things that may not necessarily be the easy thing to do, but you have you find the energy to do it. You find the time to do it, you know? So there may be people who they just simply can't find the time, energy, or energy to go to the gym because they, that does not give them life. It doesn't give them energy. So that would clearly not be their purpose, but they might find the time, energy, time and energy to, you know, draw or, 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 or paint or do do something else or cook or, or something like that. And that is what gives them life. And mm -hmm. I think, so for people who do not know what their passion is, just simply do what gives you energy and is productive. Whatever brings you joy and you find the energy to do it, even though in life it's easy to make the excuse that you don't have the time or energy to do something, mm -hmm. do that. So that's what I would say. Nice. I think that's really um, a good place for us to end. Do what gives you energy, what brings you energy. Yeah? Um, yeah. And be a sure way to find your purpose. And also, I would think what I gleaned from a lot of what you said is also to be open. Be open to new opportunities. Be open to trying new things. Because at the time when powerlifting was introduced to you, you didn't even really know what it was. <laughs> You didn't even really know what it was, but you were willing to try it. 
Um, so I'd leave us there saying this was an excellent opportunity to get to know you, Rondell. I have been inspired. I've been encouraged, you know, to use the rest of my quarantine period to be productive, to follow what gives me joy, which is talking with people on the internet. Sharing <laughs> 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 stories that motivate and encourage people. I am inviting all of my listeners to continue tuning in. We'll be having another interview next week, Thursday. You'll hear more about it if you follow me at Kyla Kia Richards on Instagram and on Facebook. This has been Kai Talks, the podcast. Thank you for joining us, Randall Hunt.